0: Hey, there was this little boy who wrote Jesus a letter. He was a little concerned because he was really wanting to make sure. Uh, he was concerned about the presents that he was going to get for Christmas. So he wrote Jesus a letter. And he says, and he started off his letter by saying, I've been good for six months now. And then he looked at it for a second and he, he reflected on that. He, he scratched that out. he says, okay, well, I've been good for three months now. And he pondered it a little bit more, looked at it again and said... Uh, scratch that out. He says, Jesus, I've been good for two weeks now. And he looked at it again. He realized, well, no. So finally, he got up from his table, and he went over to the manger scene where there was baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph there. And he took Mary, gently picked her up, wrapped her in a little soft cloth, put him in the top drawer of his dresser drawer, went back starting writing out the letter again and he said dear jesus if you ever want to see your mother again <clears throat> yeah so <laughs> as we've been spending these last few weeks started a few weeks ago leading up uh, for, starting with advent leading up to christmas we've really been pre- been preparing our hearts for Jesus' birthday, it's, I know a lot of things that have been added to that over the, over the, really the hundreds of years that Christmas has been celebrated and really, I mean, officially been celebrated, even though we know that initially, Jesus was born in the manger. Uh, we've added a lot of stuff to it, but I've been trying to encourage us all in the last few weeks to say, listen, let's always remember the purpose of what Christmas is all about. And it's the birth of Jesus, as we just sang about this morning, and that, in that manger, in that some 2,000 years ago, and we've been reflecting also on the promises of God uh, that have been given to us about Jesus, and we've been reading a lot in Isaiah and the Old Testament about this coming Messiah, this coming Emmanuel, God with us, this coming Savior. Some of the promises that God made back in the Old Testament started off with Jesus being our hope, and I'm so glad that Jesus brings us hope. Amen? Amen. And and where we are right now in our current struggles, maybe there's some situations you're going through, maybe physically, maybe relationally, maybe financially. I don't know. Maybe you're concerned about what's going on in the world today. We certainly have a lot of things to worry about and be concerned about. But I'm so thankful that God brings us hope in our situations personally, but also in the situations that are going on worldwide. God is our hope, amen? Jesus is our hope. And not only do we have hope in the current situation, knowing that, uh, that God is with us, but also we have hope that one day our blessed hope is that Jesus is coming back, amen? He's coming back to take us to heaven and to be with Him forever. So I look forward to that day. That's the arrival that Jesus brings to us, he brings us hope. Also, Jesus' arrival brings us peace. As we talked about a few weeks ago, when we hear people say that we've made our peace with God, that's really what it means is that we've, we've given our hearts to the Lord and we've made our hearts right with him. Through the finished work that Jesus has done for us, we've made our hearts right and we've made our peace with God. And also, I'm so thankful that Jesus brings us peace, again, in this crazy, mixed-up world We just know that God's still in control. Even though it may seem like He's not, He is. And He's not surprised by anything that's going on. He gives us peace in the midst of all that's going on in our lives, all that's going on in the world. Last week, we looked about how Jesus brings us joy, and He brings us joy not only to receive the good news, but He also brings us joy to share the good news of His salvation with everyone everywhere. And I hope that you've been able to see those opportunities this week of people that you've come in contact with, whether, you know, at the mall or, or at work or school or, or at a restaurant or wherever, where they're just, you can just tell they're just running around, they're anxious, they're frustrated, they're angry, they're whatever, and that you can just speak the joy, the good news that we have of, of Jesus Christ into their lives to maybe help recalibrate maybe what's going on in their hearts to say, hey, you know what, it's going to be okay, and we can just plant water and God brings the increase. There are all kinds of opportunities, amen, to share the joy of Jesus Christ. These are all promises, by the way, of God. And I'm so thankful that we serve a God who doesn't lie. You know, all the world, there's a lot of broken promises. But God will never, ever, ever, ever break any of His promises to us. And I'm so thankful for that because God does not lie. The Bible says that, that He's not a man that He would lie. What God says He'll do, He will do, and you can count on it. Now, as I talked about here just a few moments ago, we're going to have a nativity scene set up next week, and we're going to do some things with that for our service. But today, I'd like for us to visit the promise that God has given us as we are really coming into our place of concluding the season of Advent in this next week or so before Christmas Day. And today, I want to talk about, we've talked about hope, we've talked about peace, we've talked about joy. Today, I want us to talk about love. I want to talk about the love that God has given us that was born to the world in the form. Of a baby in that manger. Now, there's a very, very familiar depiction of this love coming into the world that you may have even, maybe, haven't displayed in your home. Maybe you've had it displayed in your front yard. I know uh, we went, uh, Kelly and I went to uh, look at some different. Uh, Uh, homes that were decorated here recently, and some of our favorite ones are the ones with the nativity scene in the front yard. They just, something special about that, you know, take away the, the Grinch and Santa and Rudolph and all the rest of that stuff, and a simple, beautifully lit nativity scene in the middle of the yard just speaks volumes to what Christmas is all about, because really, When it's all stripped away, that's what it is all about, is the nativity. But what is a nativity? Have you ever thought about what nativity means? What does that word mean? Well, this is what it means. Maybe this is new to you. The word nativity comes from the Latin word meaning to be born. It means birth. So when you say nativity, it means birth. The nativity scene that we set out each year on our fireplace mantle, on our front yards, in churches, different places that we see is the depiction of the birth of the God of the universe into the world. That's what nativity is. Surrounded by his mother, his earthly father, by all the barnyard animals, by the shepherds, by the angels, all the eyes of the nativity, if you look at the nativity, is focused on the baby Jesus because it's all about his birth. Now, for hundreds of years, the nativity was an exclusive display of Jesus' birth. I don't, I don't know if you've noticed recently, though, There's been the nativity has gotten some competition, has it not? Especially in public displays, different places where maybe in a courthouse or a public setting, a fire station, different places like that. I'm seeing reports all around the place, Capitol buildings of... of Things that are coming up there uh, that are not nativity scenes, but they feel like they have to have equal time. Uh, Just most recently, there's one somewhere, I believe it's in Ohio, or Iowa, I should say, where the the state capitals, they see satanic displays that are being set up. Have you seen that? They just feel like that they got to have equal time to them and to, to attempt to counter or to have an equal voice in this holiday season. But I'll just say it. Satan hates anything to do with Jesus. He can't stand the attention that Jesus is getting at Christmas. He's jealous, he wants the attention, and he wants the glory. But I'm here to say today that the nativity will always and only be about Jesus. Satan can try all he wants to, but there's nothing like the nativity scene. His birth and all it represents of his life and his death and salvation for all of mankind. And in the end, all other displays are nothing. Nothing. All the rest of this place will fade away, but the symbol and the nativity and what it represents will stand. You know, there's even some that don't go as far as worshiping Satan, but they don't believe in God. They're called atheists. And they want equal playing time as well. For example, some years ago, there were some complaints uh, in a nativity scene in the capital of South Dakota, in the Capitol building. So the governor of South Dakota at that time, he prepared to let every religion put something on display in the Capitol, which is a shame that you have to do that. He even had an empty corner set aside for the atheists. Isn't that nice of him? It's just a nice empty corner over there. There's nothing there. Isn't that a sad way to, worship, to live a life not believing in God? You know, let the nativity be a constant reminder, church, of the love of God displayed to us. Because really when it's all said and done, the nativity speaks to the verse that we can all probably say from memory. I'm going to put it up on the screen, but I want us to all just say this verse out loud. John 3.16, would you say it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's the purpose of the nativity. God gave His Son because of His love for us. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Yes. Amen. You know, I don't know if you've noticed lately, the last several years, these gender reveal parties that are going on in our culture. Have you noticed that? It's a new phenomenon. It's taking our, our country by storm. These young couples, they find themselves pregnant, and they have this gender rezeal, uh, reveal. Rather, There's a lot of of money that is spent on these things. I mean, I've heard some reports of some people spending thousands of dollars on these sort of things. Isn't that silly? They have pink balloons. They have blue balloons. They have cakes baked every sorts of way, secrets secrets sliced, secrets to the way that they're sliced. Uh, They they, they have boxes full of pink or blue balloons, and they release them to the rounds of applause. They shoot off blue powder or pink powder with guns. Uh, You name it, it's probably happened. It's just all kinds of pink and blue everywhere frankly, with all the gender confusion, the gender identity craziness going on in these last several years, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised that someone hasn't come up with one that shoots out gray powder with the explanation that they'll just let their child decide one day what gender they're going to be. I wouldn't be surprised. I actually saw a cartoon the other day, by the way, that speaks to that. It's a takeoff on the final scene of It's a Wonderful Life. Remember when Zuzu was uh, uh, at the Christmas uh, uh, at the party? A tree, and mom and dad were there, and all the people were bringing in money to help uh, the dad. And you heard the little bell ring, and Zuzu says in the original version, it says, look, daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. So sweet. I saw a cartoon the other day that said this, same scene, holding, the, holding Zuzu, and, he, and, and the bell rings, and, and Zuzu says, look, daddy, teacher says every, ta- every time a bell rings, uh, we can change our gender. And then the mom says, we need to start homeschooling. That was like the comment in the cartoon. You know, we live in such an upside down sick world, don't we? Maybe you haven't been part of one of these extravagant gender reveals, or maybe it's been a while since you prepared for the birth of a new child, but just like we were reminded last week in the life of John the Baptist, there's a lot of anticipation. There's a lot of preparation that goes along with making a way for something new in our lives. And so here's what I want to encourage you with first here today. If you're taking notes, write this down. Because I believe with all of my heart that God wants to prepare something new for you. He has something to prepare for you. God wants you to prepare for something new. He not only is preparing it, but he's asking for you to also prepare for that new thing. God has something new for you today. You see, the reason for the nativity and the reason that it is so significant is not because this birth happened one day long ago. Even though that is significant, it changed the world But also, I believe that God's desire is that Christ would be born in the manger of your hearts today and every day, because God wants to do something new in each of us today. God's desire for His love to be revealed to the world by the way we live our lives before everyone every day, His purpose is to be birthed in us so that what's going on in us can also change the world around us, just like it did some 2,000 years ago. So as we come to this close of our time in Advent, what would happen today, church, if each of us, full of expectation that God could birth something new within our lives this season, within us this Christmas season, that we would begin to prepare ourselves for all that God desires to do in and through us. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19, says it this way, and this is a This is really an encouragement and a challenge to each of us here today. Listen, this is the word of God speaking to us today. He's saying to you personally, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. Do you hear me today? See, I'm doing a new thing. This is God speaking to you today. You see, I'm doing a new thing in you today. Now it springs up. Don't you perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness. I'm making streams in the wasteland. This is God's promise to you today. He wants to do a new work in your life today, and he's saying, won't you prepare the manger of your heart for this new thing? And here's what I would remind you of today, that Satan would love to point you to your past. He would like to remind you of your mistakes. He would like to tell you that your, your, your poor choices, your bad mistakes, your failures are, are going to make you not amount to anything going forward. Satan would like to remind you of those things and keep you in your past. But I'm here to tell you today that there's nothing that you can do to change yesterday. There's nothing that you can do to change 10 years ago, 50 years ago, however long ago that you live in that regret. There's nothing you can do to to make a change to the things that you did yesterday because what's done is done. But I can tell you today that we can learn from them, can't we? We can learn from our mistakes. We can see where they brought us to today. We can choose to not do them again, and we can forget them. Now, not literally forget them, not unless we just have amnesia, because we do remember those things. But what this is saying is, don't let our past define our future. I'm not going to let the mistakes that I made yesterday, church, define the direction of where I'm going today. Amen? And so, yes, we've made mistakes. Yes, we've made poor choices. And Satan would like to keep you right there, locked in and bound in those things. But God is doing a new thing in your life today. God wants to birth a new thing in your life today. Can't you perceive it? You see, Satan would say, no, don't perceive it. I want you to think about yesterday. I want you to think about years ago. I want you to live there. He he wants to blind you to it. He wants to confuse you to that. He wants to numb you down and dumb you down and make you think there's no hope. But it's time to perceive that God's got a work in your life today. He's got a new thing for you today. Remember those things from last week that we talked about, the whatsoevers? We can dwell on the bad stuff. We can. It's easy to. We kick ourselves Satan fans the flame and fuels it and says, yeah, we're not going to amount to anything. All those things that were spoken over to us when we were children, teenagers, in our young life, even yesterday when someone maybe spoke into your life, you'll never amount to anything. You're no good. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's not coming from God because God loves you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He has a great plan for your life. That's what God's word says. Those are God's promises. And he's not a man that he would lie. You see, when Satan reminds you of your past, you can remind him of his future and know that your future is sealed and secure in Christ Jesus because the blood of Christ covers you and you are saved and you're going to heaven. Satan can never be saved and his destiny is the pit of hell for all of eternity. We can dwell on that bad stuff or we can choose to dwell on the whatsoever things that are lovely, that are good, that are excellent in Christ Jesus. And it's time for us to do that. Amen? The fact is God is doing a new thing in your life today. You may not be able to see it tangibly happen in front of you. But God is doing a work in your life today. Because he's always doing a new thing. He's always doing a new work. He's never a stagnant God. He's always moving us forward, upwards and onwards in him. Amen? Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, who is in Christ this morning? If you're in Christ, then the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. All things are passed away. Behold, I make all things new, he says. And you can do that every day. Oh, I messed up yesterday. That's okay. We got today. And we're going to do what we can today to honor God, to glorify God. We're going to do what we can today to please him and to move in that new thing that he has for us. Amen? Yes, we're going to mess up all the time. We're going to mess up. But God's got a new thing for you today, and we can learn from our mistakes and our past. Give those things over to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to do better today. Trust God that he's birthing something new in you today. Amen. Trust him. I, I don't care how impossible it may seem. He's going to make a road in the wilderness. He's going to make streams in the desert for you today. You may look in front of me and say, I don't know how God can do something new in my life today because of this, 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 and this. But God is a God that makes a way in the wilderness God is a way, is a God who makes a streams in the desert. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. It certainly was this way in the nativity. I want you to listen to this. Isaiah 7, 14 prophesied it. It actually played out exactly this way. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, the key word to that is there's a virgin that's going to conceive. That's the key phrase right there. You know, some hundreds of, years of, hundreds of years before this ever took place, Isaiah spoke these words under the prompting of the Holy Spirit who wrote it because the Holy Spirit knew this is exactly how it was going to happen. There would be a sign given to God's people that they had not been forgotten in their sinful, broken state. But instead, when they see a virgin give birth to a child, they would see the tangible love of God coming into the world to rescue us all. The instruction given in Isaiah is to be prepared. And the instruction for us today is to be prepared. Isaiah says, now it springs up. Don't you see it? You may not see it right in front of you, but begin to prepare for it. Make yourself ready for it. Live your life with an expectation of what God wants to do. Make space in your life for him. Make a place in your life for him. Make room for this birth of a work of God within you right now, today, even before the arrival comes. That's what they did some 2,000 years ago. That's what we do when we know we're getting ready to have a baby. We prepare the nursery, we prepare the home, we prepare everything. That's what God's wanting to do in our lives today. You haven't given birth to it yet, but God's planted the seed in you. God has made the promise, God has got the plan. So begin to prepare for it. This is what Mary did. I want you to look at her response to the angel in contrast to last week when we saw Zachariah's response. If you will turn with me to Luke chapter 1, we can start in verse 26, a very familiar scripture this time of year. In the book of Luke, we're going to look at this encounter with this angel named Gabriel speaking to this young teenage girl named Mary. Verse 26 is, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now, if you remember, Elizabeth last week, we talked about that and her pregnancy. John the Baptist. John was born. He became John the Baptist, who became the, the precursor or the, the announcer to setting the way, preparing the way for Jesus. He became the evangelist that, we, that, that began to broadcast, here comes Jesus. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, so she was six months pregnant already. God sent an angel to Gabriel Nazareth, uh, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of of David. Now remember, Elizabeth and Mary were cousins, which made John and Jesus second cousins. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, "Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you." And again, just like with everything, every Christmas, every character in the Christmas story, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, just like everybody else, like the shepherds, like everybody else, don't be afraid. Like Zechariah last week, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Mary, you found favor with God. You conce- You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. And he'll be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. Wow, what a great promise. And we're right in the middle of that. In fact, I believe we're kind of towards the tail end of this promise uh, being fulfilled. We see how things are setting up in the world where Jesus is getting ready to come back and he's getting ready to make all things new and he's getting ready to make make all things right and he's getting ready to come and reign and rule on this earth forever and he's gonna set up a new heaven and a new earth wherein will dwell righteousness and we will reign and rule with him forever and ever. That's getting ready to happen. And I can't wait for that day. But until then... God's got a work for us to do. You know, it's kind of funny about the Virgin Mary. There was this 10-year-old uh, boy, by the way, who he became quite knowledgeable about the Bible because of her grandmother's teaching. And he went and actually asked her grandmother. He was kind of confused at this point. He says, which virgin was the mother Jesus? Was it the Virgin Mary or the King James Virgin? I don't know which one. So let me just to clarify that, you guys. It's it's, it's Mary. Mary was the virgin, okay? Not the King James virgin. Mary was a virgin, and that really is the key to this story. Mary's engaged. She's not yet been married to Joseph, so this announcement must have been a difficult thing to process, and that's, putting it mildly, I'm sure she said in her heart, what do you mean I'm going to become pregnant? What do you mean... This child, Jesus, will be the son of the most high. What do you mean he's going to be a king who rules over all things? It, it, it's hard to process sometimes when God speaks into your life because when God is ready to do something new, it almost is always a disruption, isn't it? Think about it. When God's, think, about, think about it. When God has done something new in your life, when he's spoken to you, isn't it most always a disruption? Because we're just kind of going down just our normal path, just kind of living our life and just doing our thing, and all of a sudden God shows up. And he just speaks to our life and he says, this is something new here. In a world that is broken, in a world that is full of hate, in a world that is marked by sin, the arrival of God's perfect and pure love is always disruptive. And that's what I want to say this morning is that when God shows up in your life, our lives are always disrupted. But by the way, it's always in a good way. When God disrupts, it's always in a good way because we need to be disrupted. How many knows that we we need God to disrupt our lives every once in a while? Amen? How many knows that we need him to just stir us up a little bit, to shake us up, and to get us moving out of where we were into a place that he has for us? Mary's life is taking a turn here that she could never have expected. Some people say, some Bible scholars and historians say that she was 13, 14 years old when this took place. She was just minding her own business, living her life, and as far as she knew, she was about to marry this nice Jewish boy named Joseph when suddenly... She's been the chosen one to give birth to the Savior of the world, obviously a disruption. And by the way, it wasn't just for Mary, but just imagine how it must have been for Joseph. Your fiance suddenly becoming pregnant, and it's not your baby. Well, how do you explain this to all your friends and your family? You know, you know that Mary said an angel told her this baby is not from another man, but how, how do you know for Sure. For Joseph, his life was disrupted, and not just for Mary and Joseph, but eventually for the political powers and the religious powers of that day. King Herod was in control of all of Israel for this baby to come into the world and be the son of God, the king of kings, as the wise men actually told him. This means that all of the old kings would have to go. All of the religious people, they would have to be removed because he would be the high priest. This was a disruption for all of the people. And not just for those people at that time. Think about the disruption that Jesus created every time he showed up anywhere he went. But we also see how Jesus coming to this earth did disrupt well everything from then until now because his holiness, his confrontation of our sins, his love for us disrupts the status quo of the sinful world in which we live. And today he's disrupting you and he's disrupting me and I need that disruption. How about you? I thank God for his disruptions in my life. And one day soon he's going to come and disrupt everything one more time. Oh, that's going to be the granddaddy of all disruptions. He's going to make everything right and good again for all of eternity. I look forward to that day. I look forward to that disruption. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. You know, this disruption Mary experienced comes because of the promise that God loves his people so much that he would come and dwell with them, that he would give his only son and that his son would come and dwell with you and I through this humble young girl. And you know, when we are disrupted, we actually have two different choices in our disruption. There's two choices here when it comes to disruption within our lives. We can either try to avoid and reject that disruption, or we can choose to embrace it and live in it. I'm reminded of a man who went to a doctor for his yearly checkup. The doctor told him he needed to cut down on red meat. And so he stopped putting ketchup on his hamburgers. You know, I believe that when God was trying to birth something new within us, it's always going to feel like something confusing. It's going to feel like something hard, something exciting, something inexplicable, something uncontrollable. When this happens, I ask you this morning, what will you do? Are you going to avoid it? Are you going to embrace it? I have no doubt this morning, no question in my mind, that as you came to church here today, you are wrestling with the disruption in your life. Maybe it's a job that you're not so sure what to do about. Maybe it's a loss of some kind that has been so painful in your life. Maybe it's a sin that has got the best of you. Maybe it's a relationship that has hit a dead end. Maybe it's a a need that you see around that you just can't get off of your mind. You see a need that you can't get away from. You know what it is. Those are just suggestions. Those are examples. But you know what it is. That God is is disrupting you and you've come in with this. You you just can't get away from it. You you know what it is, but in a word, what it is, it's, it's, it's disruption. You're being disrupted and that's a good thing. This may be God's grace and his love wanting to birth something new in your life. So rather than avoid it, rather than reject it, how about embrace it? How about live in it? You know, some of us have spent years avoiding a disruption. Maybe that God has been trying to use within our lives to birth something new. My prayer, my encouragement to you today, church, is you just stop avoiding this disruption that God can use to help you experience Him and start embracing the work that God wants to do within you through His great love. Just embrace it. Embrace it. I pray this Advent season and not just leading up to Christmas, but really, let's even look into 2024. I pray that in 2024, that, that, that this, as, we're, as this year's wrapping up and we move into the next year, that you finally embrace this disruption in your life. It's been going on for a while. And say yes to Jesus today. Say yes to this disruption. Say yes to this new thing that He desires to birth within you. Just like Mary did, say yes to it Look how Mary responds in Luke chapter 1 verse 34 through 37. It says how will this be, Mary says. Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin how can this be? And the angel answered and said the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born to be called the Son of God even Elizabeth your relative is going to have a child in her old age and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no Word from God will ever fail. What God has spoken into your life, spoken over you, it could have been five years ago, 10 years ago, 50 years ago, what God says He will do because He doesn't lie. No word that God has ever spoken to you or through you will ever fail. Now, Mary asks this a very fair question. He says, how will this be? You see, it's very important that we have to choose how we respond. We can respond positively, or we can respond negatively. You know, with Mary, there was no natural way that God could bring about what had been promised. You see, within her mind, there's no there's no way that a, a, a birth can happen because it was not humanly possible, based on what she knew was her life, and she's right. There was no humanly possible way that she could be pregnant the way that she knew that she was living her life. But the fact is, it was a work from God. You see, there's new birth. Mary had new birth, I'll put them in parentheses, reasons. Really, they're excuses, but I'll call them reasons. And we also have those reasons, Why God can't do a new work within us. And I want to speak to those those reasons, really, those excuses, for just a moment. I've heard a lot of them over and over from people within the church over the years. I've heard people say, maybe you're one of them. There's no way that God can save my marriage. It's too far gone. God can't do a new work in my marriage. It's too far gone. I've heard people say there's no way that God could love me. I've made too many mistakes. There's no way He can love me. I'm a failure. I've heard people say, I'll never see my relationship with my son or my daughter restored. There's been too much damage done. That's a lie. God can do that work in your life. I've heard people say, I've been hurt too badly. I've been done too much wrong. There's no way I can get over this hurt, over this, what's been done to me. There's no way I can trust anyone, especially so-called Christians. There's no way. But God wants to do a new thing. God wants to do a new thing in our lives, in our relatives' lives. I've heard people say, I'll never be able to get clean. I'll I'll never be able to stay sober. The temptation is too strong. There's just no way. These and so many more are excuses for why we can't experience a new birth. Those are excuses. But how many knows that God's bigger than all those things? Like Mary, we point out how, from human perspective, it doesn't make sense for God to be able to do a work in and through us. But look how the angel responded to Mary's reasons. The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. In other words, what the angel was saying to her, and what God is saying to you and me today is this. You see, what's impossible with man is possible with God. This is not a work of mere men here. This is a work of God Almighty in your life. In fact, Jesus said these exact words when explaining even salvation in Luke chapter 18. He says, those who heard this ask, well, who then can be saved? And Jesus said, what's impossible with man is possible with God. You know, all of our excuses in our mind are correct and valid about why this Christmas should not be a fresh start and a new birth. I get it. Yeah, you have every reason, reason to give God as to why you can't have a new birth in your life. But that's all it is, is a reason. It's an excuse. It's just an excuse. In and of ourselves, it's impossible that this new work can take place. But God, but through his love, but through his supernatural power, but through the Holy Spirit coming and filling you and infusing you and doing this through you, But God doing it through you as he expresses his love with this new birth inside of you. Church, I'm here to tell you today that in your life, anything is possible with God. The nativity, this birth changed the world 2,000 years ago. This birth is still changing the world today because the same spirit of God that came upon Mary is the same spirit. that can overshadow you and me today. God wants to birth something new within you right now, today, before we leave this place. He wants you to say yes to it and stop avoiding it. It's not about your ability, by the way. It's not about how hard you try. It's not about your qualifications. It's not about your gender. It's not about your track record. It's not about your status. It's simply seeing that whatever disruption God has brought into your life is an act of love and is something to be embraced rather than avoided. There's no reason for excuses not this time. Church, stop making excuses. I encourage you today, once and for all, to respond the way that Mary did and say, "I am the Lord's servant. May your word be to me" Fulfilled. I'm thankful that Mary did that, aren't you? And that blessing blesses us today. God wants to do the same in you and through you for somebody else. Mary's response is surrender. That's all that she did. I just surrendered. She didn't have to know the future. She didn't have to know all the details of it. She just simply said, "Yes, I surrender." She opened herself to whatever God wanted to do in her life. And with her life. All the questions weren't answered. Plenty yet to be revealed. But there was a willingness in her heart. And she rested in God's love. God's promises. God's power. God's purposes. And God's love not only for her. But God's love for the world. She willingly let God do through her. What God desired to do through her. And that's really the main thing here today. Is that when we submit to God. God's promises can be fulfilled in and through us. I'll say that again. When we submit to God, we have to submit. We have to be willing. We have to say yes. When we say yes to God, when we submit to God, his promises can be fulfilled in and through us. I'll just say this as a side. If he doesn't do it through you, he's gonna do it through somebody else because his purposes will be accomplished. So stop saying no to him, say yes to him, you're not keeping his will from being accomplished. You're just keeping it from being accomplished through you. You're, you're actually keeping a blessing from yourself and being, being blessed as well as also being a blessing. Just say yes to him. His purpose is going to be accomplished. But what a great ride it is when you say yes to him and let him do it through you. What a great journey that it is when he wants to do it through you. What if this were the kind of heart posture that we committed to this Christmas season, like Mary did, where we would say, Lord, I submit, I say yes to you. I wonder how our lives would be different if we simply just said yes. Our submission to God has everything to do with what we perceive to be our greatest need. I love this writing from Max Lucado. He's an author and pastor. He said this, He said, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, he would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So, God sent us a savior. You know, the world's greatest need then as it is now, is the disruptive, transformative love and grace of God. The world needs the love of Jesus more than ever before. Would you agree with me this morning? So Mary was willing to take on the disruption that gave birth to the Savior of the world. And I ask you this morning, how about you? Are you willing to say yes to God and allow him to plant that seed in you and give birth through you to be a blessing to your generation to your sphere of influence to your people here's another question if this posture if this is the posture that we choose to take this time at this christmas season how might god use us to birth something new not only in you but, some, but also in someone else's life. You see, this birth for us is not just to bless us. I, I think too often we say, all right, God, just bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. And we live in a really much of a, of a bless me, Lord, uh, culture in the church in a lot of ways. I'm just going to go to a church, why, and be blessed. But God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. That's, that's his economy. He blesses us in order for us to be a blessing. Not just that we can hoard it, but that we can give it. Not that we're a receptacle, but that we're a conduit. He wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing out from us. When we gain an other's perspective, others-minded, Realizing that life is not just about us, life is not just about our comfort, life is not just about our needs, life is not just about our happiness, nothing wrong with those things, but it's not exclusively just that. In fact, that's secondary to the primary of others. It's always about others. Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus came so that he would always, he modeled that for us. He was always others-minded, was he not? When we have that others-minded approach, we can more fully embrace these disruptions that God brings into our lives because, you see, when God is disrupting us, it's not just for our purposes, but it's so also we can be a blessing to others. He's actually preparing us. He's actually working out of us stuff and working in us stuff, out the bad, in the good. He's doing stuff in us so that we can be more effective for him, where we can be more of an example of him, where we can be more Christ-like to a world around us. We're blessed. And as we are blessed, we are in turn a blessing. And really, isn't that what Christmas is all about? Is that really not what life should be all about? It's not what I can get. It's not. It's not what I can hoard, it, it, but it's what I can give. It's not what I can accumulate, but what I can give away. It's not what can be done for me, but what I can do for others. Acts twenty verse thirty five says, "In everything I did, this is Paul speaking to the folks in, in, in Ephesus, the, the people in Ephesus." I did In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I, that's what Christmas is all about. That's what our life should be all about. Sadly, I feel like too many of us in the church, too many of us in our lives, we go through our lives seeing what we can get out of others rather than what we can pour into them always walking around with our hand out rather than being willing to lend a helping hand with no strings attached. Church, that's not the heart of God is to walk around with our hand out and seeing what we can do to get from other people. As God's kingdom and values and heart goes, it's all about giving ourselves away so that God can use us. The message of the birth of the baby, Jesus, was not intended to only change Mary and Joseph's life. This message of good news is also meant to usher in a new kingdom that is the kingdom of heaven for all people. This kingdom doesn't look like the kingdom we've grown accustomed to. This kingdom is dedicated to turning the world on its head for Jesus Christ, walking in love and forgiveness rather than hating someone and walking in animosity towards someone. Walking with a sacrificial and giving heart of our time and talent and treasure rather than hoarding and squandering those things for our own selfish gain. Walking in such a way where we're bringing healing to the broken and rescuing the lost. That's the kind of heart posture that God would have us to live. Bringing healing to the broken, rescuing the lost. That's what he wants us to do. You see, love is the norm in this heavenly kingdom. This kingdom God has called us to live out on this earth before Our co-workers, our classmates, our neighbors, our family, our friends. And this kingdom becomes a reality when we allow God to disrupt our lives. Just as the Holy Spirit disrupted Mary's life. And we receive the love of God for us. And then we offer that love of God to others. Jesus said it this way in John 13, 34. I give you a new commandment. Love one another. Just as I've loved you, you must also love one another. How did God love us? How did Jesus love us? Completely. A hundred percent. Held nothing back. No strings attached. Love, period. He loves. It's not only what he does, it's who he is. And he's inside of us. And he wants to birth that love inside of us so that it'll go out from us to others. Church, I believe that this new work that God could do within our lives today could be good news for someone else today. This Advent season, we have an opportunity to join together as a church and allow the birth of Jesus to move us to be part of a new birth within our community. And we're doing that. I want us to continue to do that, realizing that what God is doing in us and through us is planting and watering and God is bringing the increase. Consider ways that you could do something new to give love to others. I want you to look at it this week, especially as we're ramping up this week before Christmas. And I know with all the last minute preparations that we have, I'm gonna add a few more things to it if you don't mind that has to do with this message here today. Because maybe, maybe this week or maybe next year, maybe sometime soon, it's finding a local family to do something about. Maybe this week you're buying some gifts for a family as an extension of the generosity and love of Christ. I don't know. Maybe it's serving at a local mission or homeless shelter during the holiday season. Maybe this week you can go and volunteer somewhere and say, how can I just love on them? Like we do. We do this once a month. Maybe it's, an, maybe it's inviting a neighbor to eat a meal and developing a new relationship with them. Maybe you know a, a, a neighbor who's gonna be spending the holidays alone. Maybe you're inviting them over to your house this holiday season. Maybe... Maybe it's beginning a new family tradition that puts Jesus first some way, somehow, where it's not just about the presents and Santa Claus, but maybe this year is the year that you say, you know what? Son, daughter, husband, wife, family, as we gather here, let's remember the reason for the season is Jesus. Maybe it's inviting that difficult relative or neighbor over for Christmas dinner. (laughs) God will give you the grace. You know, all these things are disruptive. Truly, they are. You may be looking at those things that I just listed and saying, there's no way I can do that. I'm too busy. I'm too this. I'm too that. It's a disruption, is it not? All those things just disrupted you just then, didn't they? Oh, when you did that, you said, I can't do that. I just disrupted you. The Lord just disrupted you, did he not? And, And maybe there's some things there that I didn't, you know, make a... I didn't even add it to the list, but you're thinking this is something that the Lord has been speaking to me to do. And the Holy Spirit is reminding me right right now through this message that I need to do it. I don't know what that is. But the Holy Spirit is disrupting you, has been, and today he's putting it right in front of you again saying, how about it? Stop avoiding it and embrace it. Do it. Because you see, even though they're disruptive and they are, they really are all the heart of Christ. Christ. And that's the most important thing, is it not? That's what happens to us when we believe the good news of Jesus' birth as more than just a historical fact. We celebrate what happened, what took place 2,000 years ago, but also we know that his birth is continually taking place in the mangers of our hearts every single day. It's an ongoing thing. It's happening again today. Our lives can be changed. And in so doing, we can have an eternal impact on the lives of those around us. So may we, all of us here today, say like Mary did and eagerly say, may your word to me be fulfilled. Do, Lord, whatever it is that you want to do in me and through me. Let me leave you today with the Christmas Ten Commandments as we open up these altars here in just a few moments. But I came across this here the other day. It's the Christmas Ten Commandments. And I hope that maybe this will help to disrupt our status quo and help us to refocus our lives on the love of God poured out on us in this nativity, this birth of Jesus, and therefore this love being poured out from us uh, to others. I, I pray that his love is reborn in us today more than anything else. And not only is birth in us, but birth in others through us as we're blessed, we're being a blessing this holiday season. The Ten Commandments of Christmas go like this Thou shalt not leave Christ out of Christmas. Making it Xmas to some, X is unknown, so let's make sure it's Christmas, not Xmas. Number two, Thou shalt prepare thy soul for Christmas. Spend not so much on gifts that thy soul is forgotten. Number three, Thou shalt not let Santa Claus replace Christ, thus robbing the day of its spiritual reality. Number four, thou shalt not burden the waitress, the mailman, and the merchant with complaints and demands. Number five, thou shalt give thyself with thy gift. This will increase its value a hundredfold, and he who receiveth it shall treasure it forever. Number six, thou shalt not value gifts received by their cost. Even the least expensive may signify love, and that is more priceless than silver and gold. Number seven, thou shalt not neglect the needy. Share thy blessings with many who will go hungry and cold unless thou are generous. Number eight, thou shalt not neglect thy church. Its services highlight the true meaning of the season. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I Heard a few omis in there. Number nine, <laughs> thou shalt be as a little child. Not until thou has become in spirit as a little one art thou ready to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And finally, number 10, thou shalt give thy heart to Christ. Let him be at the top of thy Christmas list. That was good? Would you stand with me this morning? I'd like to pray for us today and, and just bow your heads today because I, I, this is what I feel like so strong in my heart that as we are gearing up for Christmas, final preparations, those of you at home as well watching here today, God has been trying to birth something in you for days, weeks, months, years. You've been avoiding it. You've been pushing it away. You've been ignoring it. But today, God is saying, won't you stop pushing it away and instead say, like what Mary said, let it be done in me as you have said. I know it may feel impossible just like it was with Mary, but nothing is impossible with God. Stop rehearsing your past, learn from it, but put it under the blood. And today say, all right, Lord, do a new thing in me. Do a new thing in me. I'm going to embrace it. It could be something big, small, somewhere in between. But I believe it's all going to look impossible. And I believe it's all going to feel very much disruptive in your life. And those are good things. Don't let that be something that makes you push it aside because it will take work, it'll take effort, it'll take sacrifice, it'll take dying to yourself, it'll take a lot of those things that we need to confront in our lives, those things. But God wants to do it in your life. What does that look like? This Christmas season, 2024, I don't know. But God's speaking to your heart and I want to pray over you this, that God will, that you'll allow God to birth that in you let it grow in you would you bow your heads in prayer these altars open if you need by the way to come up Boy, come on up. If the Lord stirred in your heart and said, yeah, this is it. I mean, you just hit the nail right on the head. The Lord is just really just convicting me. And again, conviction is a good thing. He's really speaking to my heart. He's really stirring me today. That's a good thing. If he's stirring you, man, I just want to encourage you right now. Just step out. Just do it right now. Step out and say, all right, I'm coming up. And Lord, I'm giving it to you. Whatever it is, I'm, I'm laying at the altar. I'm tired of avoiding it. I'm tired of ignoring it. I'm tired of pushing it aside. By me coming up, I'm saying, Lord, here I am. Put that seed in me, birth it in me. Come on up and do that as we pray. Father God, I know that somebody here today has come in struggling with stuff, maybe over the last months or years even, where you've been speaking to their heart to say, This is what I've called you to do. This is what I'm drawing you into. This is what I'm trying to, to plant a seed. Of. I'm trying to grow it in you. But Lord, let today be the day where we respond like Mary. And we say, let it be, Lord, as you desire. We're not going to rehearse our past anymore. We're not going to let Satan remind us of our past. We're not going to let our past, by any means, define and and guide our future, except for that we're going to learn from those things. We're going to use it as a testimony. We're going to be able to speak into other people's lives as a result of it, but we're not going to live in it. Lord, we know you're doing a new thing. And even though we don't know what that is, we don't know the steps leading to it. There's a lot of details that we don't know about. We don't have to know about it. We simply just say, Lord, do it in me. Birth it in me. Begin to let it grow. Let it become to full term. And then let me, let me give birth to it for your glory. Not only bless us, Lord, but bless through us as you did Mary do with us. And Jesus, you're in us today. Won't you come out from us in the way that you want to manifest, whatever that looks like? And Lord, more than anything, disrupt our lives. Disrupt us in a good way. It's a good thing. We need to be disrupted. Lord, disrupt us in 2024. What does that look like? Disrupt us for your glory, for your good, for your kingdom's sake, for souls, for your kingdom. Disrupt us. Lord, in all that we say, all that we do, all that we think, may it bring glory to your name souls to your kingdom. Disrupt us, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're doing a new thing. And it may seem impossible, but you're going to make streams in the desert. You're going to make a a road in the wilderness. You're going to take care of all the details of it. We simply just say today, all right, today's the day. Birth it in me. Lord, I just speak over this congregation right now, a supernatural birthing, a supernatural seed planting, a supernatural growing of your vision and your plans and purposes for their life. Lord, that we would see you and you alone and that we would trust you with the process in this journey and that in your time and in your way, it's going to come to pass. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love that brought your son to us through a little teenage girl named Mary who said yes. Lord, today, we are that teenage Mary. And may that love that you brought through Mary be also be brought through us to our generation. We say yes to you today. In the midst of our business, in the midst of our failures, in the midst of our excuses, that's all they are. No reasons, just excuses. In the midst of all that, we say yes. And we trust you with the results. So Lord, we thank you for these things. Now with every eye closed and head bowed if maybe today, That last commandment that I read, I said, give your heart to Jesus because that's the beginning of it. If you can't say that you've done that, and maybe you're watching this from home, maybe you're here today in person, but I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus in your heart. Allow him to be born. In the manger of your heart today, let him come. As we just read in John three sixteen, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you believe, the Bible says, that Jesus Christ is God's son, that he did come to this earth to die for your sins. And he did die for your sins. He shed his blood for you because a blood sacrifice was needed for the remission of our sins. Jesus' perfect life shed his blood, died for our sins. If we simply say, Jesus, I accept your finished work on my behalf because I couldn't live a perfect life. I couldn't do what you did, but you did it for me because you knew that I needed a savior. So today, your finished work gives me access back to God. That relationship was broken because of my sin. I can't be around God because of my sin, but Jesus with you washing me clean of my sins. I can now have access to God the Father. I can sit in God's lap. I I can have relationship with him again because of Jesus, what you did. You see, that's what salvation is. It's not just being cleansed from our sins, but it's a restored relationship. If you want that today, man, all you got to do is just pray a prayer. The Bible says, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is God's son. Believe in your heart that he was risen from the dead. You will be saved. It's that simple. He's already done it for us, except you just need to take that one more step. Is that you today? If that's so, then at home, raise your hand and say, that's me. If you're here in the congregation today, say, that's me. I need Jesus in my heart. Everybody in this place, if if you will, just if you need to raise your hand, do so. Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes, I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. Three, anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you have raised your hand or not, I want us to all pray this prayer out loud. Would you pray it at home and pray it here in, this, in, this, in God's house. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a savior and I thank you that Jesus, you died for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Come live in my heart and be the Lord of my life. I thank you now that I'm born again, (laughs) a child of God, restored back to relationship with my daddy God. Now, Lord, I pray that you would seal this decision with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, that you'd help us to walk in relationship with you. Holy Spirit, fill us today, empower us today. Help us to make a difference in someone's life this week. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the love that you've given us It's not just for us. It's through us for others as well. So help us to go out from this place and love others with the love of Christ. Whatever that looks like in a tangible way. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, keep us safe. Keep us safe this week. In the busyness of this week, help us to not forget that we are to be salt and light at the grocery store, at the mall, in our workplace, at school, wherever we go. Remind us, Lord. We have these opportunities to share the joy of the Lord, the good news of salvation with those around us. Go with us from this place we ask in your name. Jesus, amen.